Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Yeah, sometimes we have a tendency to get lumped in to a group that says, if you love your nation, then you're some sort of a, a nationalist that your heart's divided because you can't love God and country. And I'll just tell you this, the best citizens are those that are in love with the Lord, that are scripture saturated, that love their neighbor, that do good to one another, that contend and fight for godly law, and that love their nation. That's the best kind of a citizen we could ever have. And so to love God and to love country is a good move. And so, yes, we are proud to live here. We're proud to be Americans. We're proud to be Christians um, and to serve God and to serve the betterment of the people around us is a very good thing. I know that there's been a movement where maybe we're embarrassed of our nation or we don't want to fly our flag or something like that. And we can play in two extremes, as if we're so all about nationalism, or we completely, the other extreme where we hate all of it. And I'll just tell you, man, let's be in love with Jesus. And let's be completely rooted in the soil that he has planted us in America. And let's make this soil as good as we possibly can be. And from that soil, let's grow and bloom into a beautiful, beautiful place where, uh, where we can be a blessing to others. Amen. I hope that's our, our plan here. My wife is in Nebraska. She's on her way back from a family wedding, and she left me with all three kids, and uh, she's a woman of faith. And I had all three kids, had a friend over, so we had six kids, um, and it was, um, you know, there's a difference between faith and wisdom, and <clears throat> what she had buckets of faith I lacked in wisdom. Um, but I'm happy to report the parsonage still stands, um, and uh, they didn't tear everything down. Um, but anyway, she is on her way back, but she's watching the service right now, and she texts me after worship. She says, I'm in tears just watching the beauty of our church family. And she goes, I just love the heart and the purity of our worship that we can come before the Lord and sing how grateful we are for this nation. Just the, the simplicity of our worship. Also, what's so beautiful about what just happened here is there hasn't been a long-time runner as far as a leader of worship here in the sense of Alyssa or Kathy that led this. However, we've had mega staples and Greg that served for years and years and years. Mike Davis, who comes in and sings, who's been here for years and years and years. And then also new worship leaders with Ian and Kat. The whole mix was just awesome. I absolutely loved what I was seeing right here. We had the, the young, the old, the tenured, the new. It was just absolutely beautiful of what we just experienced there. Um, Mike, I took a picture of you. And I'll tell you what was really neat was seeing you stand there and Nurse Nancy is behind you with the stained glass windows. It looked like the glory cloud is like behind you, Miss Nancy. It was awesome. Yeah, that was powerful. 
Oh, good stuff. All right. We're going to dive into a topic here that is uh, tough because there's, there's some split views on this topic. Um, and so I ask for this. I ask that we would all have grace this morning, um, that we would have grace for the person sitting beside you. You'd have grace for the person speaking, that as I try to articulate uh, what I believe to be a scriptural and biblical worldview, um, that as we would wrestle through all of this together, that our goal would not to be right, but our goal would to understand the heart of God. And that we would sacrifice rightness, or whatever we think that we're, that we're right, for, I guess, just punt our opinion so that we can get a hold of the heart of God. All right? That's what we're after. So I want to talk about freedom, but freedom under God's rule. Every national holiday, I like to speak on the beauties of America or on our Christian history or about our military, if it's Veterans Day or Memorial Day. And this morning, we're here on Independence Day. And I want to speak about being a free nation. We have so much freedom that we believe that we are free from everything, even from any type of rulers over us. How many of y'all know you can have an extreme mindset of freedom to where nobody can tell me nothing? I'm free. I'm an American. And we can take these extremes to some pretty ungodly places. Sometimes too much freedom eventually leads to our own harm. Imagine all of America's five-year-olds having freedom to the car keys of their parents. That's not good that we have unlimited amounts of freedom. Too much food is not a good thing. Too much food that's free of consequences. Too much sex that's free from consequences. Too much of anything that has all of the borderlines cast off of it is not a good thing. And so we don't worship freedom. We worship God who says in Christ and through Christ, he sets us free. In, we have liberty to those who are in Christ Jesus. But it is for freedom that he has set us free. Not so that we can, uh, 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 I guess, divulge in more sin, but that we can truly live free as he has intended. When we are raised in a mindset and in a nation that perpetually tells us that we are free, we eventually believe that no one can put a harness, uh, put a harness on us at all. This past week, the Supreme Court made a huge decision banning abortion at the federal level. We're going to talk about that today, but I really want to talk about the beauty and the glory of God. And I want to talk about us not using our national freedom in bad ways. So this is a hard topic for some. For some sitting in the sanctuary today, you may view abortion differently than I, maybe differently than the neighbor sitting next to you. And differently than perhaps how I'll lay it out in Scripture today. For some sitting in the sanctuary, this may be tough because you've had an abortion. Maybe you've paid for an abortion, supported a friend or a family member to abort their baby. Please hear this. There is no shaming this morning. We want to lift off 
any heaviness of shame. There is no condemnation, the Bible says, for those who have come to Christ Jesus. We're freed from condemnation, from shame, and from guilt when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may feel convicted at times, but condemnation is something else. Condemnation is from the devil who tries to keep us locked into the past. Conviction is impressions of God that he puts on our spirit so that we can repent, we can turn to him, and that is a good thing. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is good. Condemnation is not, and we're not here to put on any condemnation. For others, perhaps you're split on this this issue. Due to a baby's life being hard, some may see that it's okay to terminate a life. They may say, well, the baby has an extra chromosome, and so their life is going to be hard. So they are not valuable enough to have life. Or as soon as the baby is born, they're going to need heart surgery. And because that's going to be hard, they no longer have a right to life. Or in the rare case of pregnancy happening by rape, which is 1% of abortions. Or in the case of incest, which is less than half of 1% of abortions. Now the baby does not have a right to life. Please hear me on this. Rape and incest have been very close to me and to my family and I believe to our church family perhaps to you and your personal family it is hard it is tough waters to navigate and to walk through the shame is unbearable it's crippling at times the the thought of to carry the child of a father or an uncle the layers of shame from from rape and incest are so heavy. There's so many different layers of shame. But what we can't do is we can't compound shame with added moves of killing a baby on the back end of it and to try to rid ourselves of the reminders of that shame. The move is not to kill, but the move is to heal. The best move would be to have an encounter with Jesus to where we truly can be healed to get healed in the most powerful and deep and life-changing ways that are only found through Jesus Christ. I want to encourage your faith in God around some of these circumstances, to, have, to be a people of faith. Faith is not waiting for the perfect circumstance or situation. I'll launch out and try this great endeavor when I have all of the financing and all of the right players and I'll do all of these right moves first. No, it's just, it's, it's faith. It's believing in things that you cannot see. It's hoping for maybe perhaps what is not there, but, but, it's, but it's trusting in the Lord. And so sometimes we say, well, I want to terminate a pregnancy just because it's just not the right timing. I'm waiting for the right season, the situation. And so I'll exercise my freedom to make this move. I just want to encourage us, let's move in faith. That even if that life, that precious baby's life is going to be hard, that God can show up in miraculous ways and redeem that story. Even if the life of the mama is hanging in the balance, man, let's continue to go for it and pursue delivering this baby and perhaps God would show up and do a miraculous healing on the mom. 
but to take matters into our own hands and say we do not trust that God will show up and do a miracle is a lack of faith. And people that live lives on a lack of faith of God are just separated from him. And I'm just saying, church family, let's take a step toward him and let's exercise great faith. I have a buddy right now who has a child on the way. His son will be Down syndrome. And he's wrestling, man. He has wrestled. But he's choosing the God story on this one. He's choosing to ride this out with God, to trust God on this one, to see the wonders and the miracles that God is going to do in the life of this precious child, to see how God is going to change him through serving this precious life. The needs are going to be big, and it's going to require him to even be more like Jesus than ever before, to serve and to serve and to serve. He's going to see the life of Christ come through him, not by terminating, but by laying down his life, taking up his cross, and becoming like Jesus. I also want to encourage your faith to give to adoption agencies, to give to churches that help mothers that want to keep their child. We are a church that helps rape victims and unwanted pregnancies. We financially help those who have gone through the worst of the worst. And you can get on board by supporting moms who are loving and leading these little precious lives. So exercise your faith by saying, God, I'm going to take my money and invest it into someone else, believing that what I'm seeding and pouring into, that you're going to call up and to make something really special. Let's take a look at Scripture. Let's go to the Bible. I believe like Israel back in the day, today we want a government to be the moral barometer rather than God. We would rather look to a government to tell us what is right and wrong rather than to say we hit our knees and we seek your face and you're the one thing and what you say goes and believe it or not, God has some thoughts on this matter. Thank God we're not left to our own opinions our fallen nature trying to figure this one out. Thank God we can go to the source of all life and look to him and see if perhaps he has some thoughts on this. The people of Israel, they walked with God and God led them. He ruled over them. He was their king, whether they were in Egypt, whether they were in the wilderness. He was their king all the way until the promised land. God was the king of Israel until the people looked around and they saw all the other nations that had a king-led government through a man. And they said, we want a man-king. And God's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll be your king. And they're like, no, 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 we don't want you to be our king. We want a man to rule over us. And here's how it goes in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased the prophet Samuel. <coughs> so he prayed to the Lord. The Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And they have done from the day that I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know that the king who will reign over them 
will claim as his rights. Here in America, what we have done, we look to government to rule over whether something is righteous or wicked. What we're talking about today is not a political issue. This is a God issue. This is a righteousness issue. This is a biblical issue. We look to a government to tell us what is allowed and what's not allowed. Instead of us looking to God to tell us what is right and wrong, we look to fallen people to try to tell us what is right and wrong. In America, we've even taken it one step further than the Israelites. Not only are we like Israel wanting a king government instead of God, but we've established a a democratic republic government. A democratic republic government is not only do we have a king that dictates everything, no, I have a vote. And I have a say. And I want to make decisions for my body. And I want my choices. And I want whatever I want without anybody reigning and ruling over me. And if I don't like you, I vote you out. And I have opinions like crazy. So we pivoted from God to having one godly king leader to pivoting to having multitudes of leaders that then will claim our rights. Fascinating situation we find ourselves in. Our thoughts on abortion and where our convictions are derived must not first begin with the baby. They must not first begin with the mother. But our thoughts on the issue and our convictions concerning it must begin with God. The real question is when does life begin? That's the question. Is it not? Because if life begins at birth, then everything's up for grabs. But if life begins at conception, then now what we're talking about is murder. And a murder that happens inside of another human being. Abortion will not alleviate the shame. It will only compound it. Fundamentally, the the prohibition against killing other people necessarily entails all humans, right? If, if a human is killed, it should include all humans. We know scientifically that the unborn is a fully human from the moment of conception. So the prohibition would include the unborn. Biblically, we also see this same stance, and here's a few biblical stances where we see life happening in the womb. Psalm 139, verse 13 for you, O Lord, you formed me in my, uh, formed my inner parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. It's interesting, he says, it was me. Not just some precursor of me. Not something that eventually would become me. It was me. You wove me. And where? In the womb is where this happened. Another good question is, how should we treat the image of God? Should we mar the image of God? Should we tarnish the image of God? Should we kill the image of God? We are the Imago Dei. We are the image of God. We are image bearers. I think it's a question is how should we treat image bearers of God? And is it something that we have the freedoms and liberties just to completely snuff out? Or are the image bearers of God something that we ought to fight for and contend for? to be a voice for the voiceless 
and to fight and contend for something that matters like the image of God. In Exodus chapter 21, starting in verse 22, 23, 24, 25, it provides an excellent example that if something happens to the unborn and the unborn are harmed, it would warrant death to the offender. Check this out. Verse 22. If two men are fighting and they hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there's no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for a life. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If something happens, not just to any woman, but specifically a pregnant woman, and the baby comes forth, but it's not seriously injured, you need to pay for that. There's a fine. But if the injury is so intense, the, the value exchange, there's a value here. It doesn't say that there's no value. It says there's a value here that's, that's, that's traded and exchanged. If there's a harm to the hand, then we're taking your hand. If there's a harm to the foot, then we're taking your foot. If you, if you force something to happen to this baby and it dies, your life is now required. It's not that there's no value to this thing. It's maximum value, and it's demanding your life. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was known in the womb, implying that it was Jeremiah himself that was in the womb. Not a precursor to what eventually would become Jeremiah. It actually is Jeremiah. He's here in the womb. Not just the presence of something that would eventually develop into later becoming Jeremiah, it was him. For the more technically inclined, abortion commits the Christological heresy known as docetism, in that it posits that Christ in the womb was at some point fully God, but not fully human. Christ is in the womb. Was he not fully God and also fully human? That would be Christological heresy to say that he was not fully human. And so to avoid this, one must affirm that Christ was both fully God and fully human in the womb. Not only have we become so free that no one can tell us if we're right or wrong, but we've been so slick and so smart that we can justify our sin with our wits. Remember, this is the generation of U.S. lawmakers that are so smart that we can't define what a woman is today. You ask United States representatives, governors, and senators, can you define for me what a woman is? Nope. We're the smartest generation that can't figure this out. Today we have 68 genders 
We're also so smart that we've come up with 47 sexualities. We've taken extreme liberties with our freedoms to create technology to add body parts or to chop off body parts, to rewrite the whole story of God. We're so smart, aren't we? We've created ultrasounds. Look at Jessica. Would you be willing to stand, Jessica? From the back, you don't know she's pregnant. Yeah, turn. You don't know she's pregnant. Holy cats, there it is. From the back, you don't know, and then she turns, you're like, something is going on here. This isn't just nothingness. Right? But we're so smart. We've got these ultrasounds. Look, here's its face. You can see his nose. See his eyes. There's his little mouth. There's his arm. His little fingers. You see his legs, his nose, he's kicking. At some point, saw a picture that defined his masculinity. There is evidence. And she says, doctor, it, it, it looks like a human. It eats nutrients all day long like a human. It's growing like a human. You've pointed out and identified all of the human things about it. There's brain activity that is going on. There's a human heart that is beating inside of your doctor. It looks like a human. I wonder what it is. Oh, come on, America. We're so smart that we can explain away a human life. Yet, however, did you know this? That an eagle egg is protected by federal law. An eagle's life is recognized as having value. And anyone that messes with an eagle in the egg, still inside the incubation station, will be prosecuted by federal law. We're so smart to not recognize that there's a human being that's valued enough to not be messed with while it's still in the incubation station. And if you do kill an eagle while it's still in the egg, you will be prosecuted. As America, we fight and protect the value of eagle life. But we don't fight and protect the value of human life. I'm glad to see finally human life is catching up to the value of eagle life. It's crazy that eagles have more rights to life than human beings. America was founded on freedom. Freedom from evil kings and evil governments and evil tyranny. We were freed to establish a godly nation, not freed to establish a godless government. We want freedom. I want control of my life. This is our message. I want to control. I want to control my body. I want to control my choices. I'm in control. But I just want to tell you something. We are not freed from the scriptures. 
They reign and rule supreme over our lives. And when we can look at the scriptures and see the value of human life in the womb, we can't just punt it off and say, but it's going to be hard. Or there's, it's going to be difficult. Or there's kind of some, some shame with it. I would say, man, let's run to Jesus. Let's get healed and hold, buy into a miracle story that God could do and redeem it rather than to snuff it out. Let's play it out and let's see God do something awesome and powerful through our lives. Here's what's about to happen in our state house special session, session, July 25th, when it will be discussed as far as the restrictions to the abortion policy. It has happened at the federal law. It's going back to the state law, which it should have been in the hands of the state from the beginning. But here's the problem. uh, uh, Indiana has never voted on the banning of abortion. Although we do have some of the strictest abortion policy, we've never voted on whether we should do it or not. And what I'm hearing at the state house is if we don't hear from the citizens of Indiana, we don't know what call to make on this. Church family, if you believe that babies have the right to life, get a hold of your state representatives, call the state house, and make your voice heard loud and clear. What they're saying is could potentially happen on the state floor. This could be worse than RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Act. Do you all remember how big of a a debacle that was? We can't afford to miss it on this one. So please reach out and let your voices be heard. I'm going to wrap with this. A psychology study was done involving 50 people over the age of 95, 95 years old. And they pulled them all together. Collectively, they had more than 5,000 years of life experience. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the survey consisted of one question. If you had your life to live all over again, What would you do differently? Three replies emerged as the main consensus, and eventually there was a fourth that they kind of pulled there at the end as well. One, if you had your life to live all over again, what would you do? Number one, risk more. Number two, reflect more. Number three, do more things that live after you die. And later, a fourth, enjoy the journey. Here's the deal. Even if those 95 years were hard, no one asked that they would have never had a shot to live those 95 hard years. They all would have said, I would have gone all in even more. I would have risked more. I would have, even though it was hard, I would have tried to enjoy it more. I would have been in more on my own storyline and on my journey. And I just wonder if the 63 million aborted babies, if they were surveyed, they would have said, I would have liked that. I would have liked to have a shot at it. I would have loved to have gone after this life. Church family, let's be a voice to the voiceless. And let's continue to stand for the bearers of God and fight for the right to life.
Perhaps for some of you in here, this has been really tough. It's been hard. Maybe still you push back and you have some argument on that. Maybe there's just been some tough situations where abortion has been a part of your life or your family. Pastor Andrew and I have already talked. We want to make ourselves available this week. Please reach out to us and to the church family so we can know we would love to sit and talk and pray and move toward healing the best that we possibly can. We're with you. We're in this thing together. It's not about what I think. It's not about what you think. But it is about what God thinks. And let's contend for the glory of God in our nation. Would you stand with me, church family, as we close this morning? Dear Jesus, we honor you as the giver of life. We thank you, God, that there is no life that has caught you by surprise. Lord, we thank you that you can make miracles. Even in the mess, you make a miracle. Father, I pray that we would not try to rewrite a story, but we would just trust you with the pen. God, I pray that you would strengthen our faith not to wait for perfect situations and circumstances, but just to dive in wherever you're there is where we want to be. God, we pray that our nation would continue to turn to you. We pray for godliness to come to the minds of the leaders in Indiana. We pray that your glory cloud would just, would just, uh, 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 just take up residence over the state house. God, we just pray over our state representatives and our governor. God, we just pray right now, God, that you would just give wisdom and insight. We pray that the voices to them would be righteous voices. We pray that the prophets to the state would have a voice that's loud and clear. And Lord, we pray that you would forgive our sins and heal our land and turn your face back toward America again. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast. 